This is On Top of the Mount with Darren Waddles. Special thanks to Charles Dyson Sr.'s surviving children, Charles Dyson Jr., Nan Pamer, Kenny Dyson, Marlene Gleason, and Kim Dyson for allowing this podcast to record these priceless family treasures and great apostolic literary works as No Continuing City and Actions Are Weighed. Not only will this audiobook podcast be a memorial to my great-grandfather's legacy in the church and in the Pentecostal movement in Arkansas, but I would like to also dedicate the series to his jewel in life and our beloved grandmother, Marcella Dyson. No Continuing City by Charles R. Dyson Chapter 7 I Cannot Go Back I have opened my mouth unto God, and I cannot go back. Judges eleven thirty-five. The man who uttered these words was born in shame, but died with the highest honor that could ever be given to a mortal. Born in lowly dishonor, he rose to such heights that only one king in all history could stand his equal. I have yet to meet or read about the man who, at his best, can stand in this man's shadow. This man won the heart of God, for he could not lie to God or man. With the greatest discouragements known to man, he rose above all and lived for God. If there ever was a man who had a right to go back on God, this man had that right. He who could not lie to God cannot go back on God. My appraisal of this man puts him as the greatest character in the Old Testament. Abraham could not compare to him, for God encouraged Abraham, but not this man. Moses could not be compared to him, for Moses was particularly born with a silver spoon in his mouth as angels watched over him, but not this man. David could not be compared to him, for David embarrassed God, but not this man. Those who refer to him as the man who uttered a silly, rash vow know nothing of God's appraisal of great men, or they are willingly ignorant of this man's accomplishments. To such a man, with so many noble traits, that he is listed on the roster of God's honor roll in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, I introduce to you Jephthah the 11th judge of Israel. Environment is no excuse for not living for God. Many there are who return from following God with only the excuse that their environment and surroundings made it too hard to be a Christian. They stand in innumerable numbers who draw back from serving God and the church for their associates and environments demands that they forsake righteous and holy living. There are environments that demand you to make an armistice with the flesh and go back on God. No person has that right. You may have the privilege, but you do not have the right. If there was ever a man who had the right, it was Jephthah. Yet he reckoned 
that if he told God something, God took him at his word, and there could be neither excuse nor sacrifice as great as his word. Let us look at his background. For we judge by comparison to reach the greatest values. He was the son of a harlot, and his father was a playboy. What a start in life. His mother forsook him, and his dad disowned him. He was kicked out of society. He knew neither the love of a mother nor the care of a dad. Never had he experiences of a mother's care with a good night kiss and tucked into bed to soar away on a fairy cloud to dream away a child's world. No doubt many times he looked through the gates where his half-brothers and sisters played with toys only to continue down the streets never to know home life. Never in his life would he know the companionship and security that only a dad can give. Destiny never granted him the opportunity to brag on his dad when other lads boasted of theirs. Though his dad, Gilead, was wealthy, and even the city was named after him, Jephthah had neither claim nor inheritance. He was rejected by society. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. Judges 11.3 If this were the end of the story, it would be like so many others which end the same way. But this is not the end, only the beginning. The next phase of his life begins the first steps of Jephthah's climb to greatness. Usually, the story ends when vain and wicked men come into the environment, but from this point, Jephthah will make his own story. First, Jephthah proposes that he will lead and not follow. This is a cardinal law in righteous conduct. And how he mastered it with no advice or example to follow only makes this story an even greater miracle. No greater decree can any person attain than to obtain a master's degree of mastering one's own conviction against overwhelming odds and options. Any imbalance can follow, but only great men lead when character is at stake. Jephthah rose up and lived for God who instructed this lad in righteousness, who encouraged him to live for God, who taught him Christian principles and ethics. This man will rise up in judgment to condemn every generation since his time. Who shall behold him face to face without a guilty conscience, who withdrew from falling after God? The word Sunday school were never found in his vocabulary. He was never solicited by any church. He never heard a great choir sing, nor was he ever thrilled by a quartet singing the Song of Zion. He never saw a Sunday school book, never owned a Bible. He never heard a testimony of God's saving power, nor was he ever spellbound by an anointed Holy Ghost sermon. 
Yet he rose and lived for God and commanded the respect of vain men toward his God. No wonder this man will condemn so many churchgoers at the day of reckoning. Let it rain 30 drops of rain during a revival and 30 people stay home. After Sunday morning service, unless the pastor rushes to the door of a church and tells each member he was so glad to have him attend the service and adds, uh, be sure to come back next Sunday, the member goes away pouting not to return to service. Many cannot be encouraged to attend midweek service. Present-day environments are creating more sportsmen than Christians. It can, if allowed, master the activities of saints. Sad it is to see the environment of intellectuals bring no spirituality. Every new achievement of science tends to slacken a person's hold on God. Education alone is important to stay the decline of the human race. But education without salvation will only give us a race of educated devils. The environment of the classroom and the school activities should not lead us away from faith. But we must admit our moral weakening in the last decade. No greater opportunity is afforded those who would stand up with the integrity of Jephthah than that offered today. Spirituality is no longer a required subject in schools of a nation whose leaders once began their business for the day with prayer. Instead, our leaders at the first United Nations meeting in San Francisco, taking the lead in prayer before the beginning of business, it compromised the shame and bowed down to wishes of vain men of socialist world. Since that hour, we have been led by communists rather than Christian thinking. Either you lead or you follow. Our nation chose to follow, not Jephthah. He chose to lead. In any large city in America can be found enough men and women who once had a born-again experience that no longer darken a church door to fill any public building in the city to capacity. When questioned, Closely on their unchristian trend and coolness of spirit, they speak of an environment of take it easy, do as you please, and thrills that do not last. I stand in awe how a product from the melting pot of environment could rise to such heights. This tells us that the background means nothing in coming to God. You are not responsible as to how you came into the world, but how you leave. God's autocracy is found in men who rise above their conditions in faith. Tribulations make men, and from the melting pot of trials, great mothers are designed from giddish girls, and great dads are formed from broken-hearted boys. What is needed above all else in education is a means whereby youth can learn discipline of will and set life in a direction toward faith in God. Good incomes and easy living do not arouse the dormant powers of men. Many times tribulation makes a man. Struggling men may be aroused to strong convictions and strong wills, so it was found directly this great patriarch of the Old Testament. 
a high percentage of children born to well-to-do parents are worthless even though their background environments are highly respected. It will always remain a mystery to me that great moral and spiritual leaders came often from parents who had little opportunities and many hardships. These who were brought up under disadvantages became men of great moral strength. This is the tragedy of today. Youth with no real responsibilities, no struggles, and no trials is spoiled youth. Discouragement is no excuse for not living for God. Nowhere can be found any encouragement to this young man who destined himself to be a judge of Israel. Discouragement lay continually across his path. Given a broken heart by being disowned by his family, he set out for the next opportunity to become something among his friends. They all turned out to be hypocrites and kicked him out of society. Normally, disappointment in a friend or loved one can completely change the character of a person. Hypocrites in the church are never obstacles to great men with noble ambitions and disciplined wills. Neither does the loss of a friend or loved one hinder if you have opened your mouth to God in sincerity. What you do is more than what you say. Confidence should always be in the Creator and not the creature. When the city of Rome goes up in smoke in our hour, by the judgments of God, then will the millions see that tragedy of putting their confidence in the creation. Jephthah lived for God and drew vain men unto him. Either you influence those with whom you associate, or they influence you. Discouragement from without and discouragement from within. Yet his faith did not retard. Trouble on the outside and trouble on the inside, yet he grew stronger physically and morally. This reminds me of the difficulties of the early church. Plagued with persecution and tribulations from without and troubled with a broken confidence, Ananias and Sapphira, from within, it spread. Discouragement from within and without made it grow stronger in faith and power. Hardship and trials were not barriers to the growth of the church, but they were actually helps. Wealth and ease became a menace to spirituality. In those days, it cost something to be a Christian. Now, it is easy to be a Christian so, consequently, it means little. The church struggled for prestige, and when that was accomplished, it slackened its reins. Its strength seeped, and its power ebbed away. No man who has a low conception of sin will ever have a high conception of grace. The proportion of our appreciation may be found in our gratitude of putting our hand to the plow and not looking back. This mighty man of valor was from the beginning expected to go wrong. This in itself was a discouragement. When no one believes in you, it is no problem to disbelieve in yourself. 
and beginning of all deception is with self. Judging him by the set of rules of today, you are known for what you are by those with whom you run. I could not have given him much hope of survival. But his vain men were like David's outcasts. They were made one by a common disaster in life. You can become so low that any change will have to be upward. Jesus was one day thrown into a common cause by defending a woman caught in adultery. She was rejected before her accuser, and he was objected. Neither was given much regard. Fate can take a strange twist when you have nothing to lose but everything to gain. Determination only moves forward and upward, so Jephthah inclined with the first step of discouragement. Catastrophe is no excuse for not serving God. The noblest men are not satisfied with having attained the heights of self-advancement. Often he whom the world envies is the one who has secured the best that the earth can give, yet he carries a heavy heart because nobler and more unselfish purposes have not yet met their fulfillment. This was true of Jephthah. One morning he awoke to find the elders of Gilead seeking his help to save them from the children of Ammon. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. Judges 11.5 This day revealed the hidden sins of the elders of Gilead. For the construction of the universe so states, Your sins will find you out. This was a confession of guilt as to who was right and who was wrong. For the laws of God cannot be mocked. Never doubt doing right even though the harvest is slow. It will come though it come on laden hills. Again, Jephthah rises to higher heights, for he has reached a new stature in God when he obeys the cardinal law of the universe, forgive and forget. This law holds no grudges. There can be no higher learning, and no man actually holds a master's degree until he masters his own spirit. Though they stood indicted for so great a wrong, this captain found no place for revenge. The condemning question at the judgment will be, Who have you wronged? Not, Who has wronged you? The men of Gilead have quite a company of ancestors living today. They can compliment you and put on quite a show when you can be of use to them. Let the need be reversed, however, and they do not even know you. Usually, if you have been endeavoring to accomplish something good, they were your secret critics and would be one of the first to exile you. Too many. Life is a one-way street. Your presence can be tolerated if you are going their way. Disappointed, friendship is always the outcome. The cost, in this case, left a great man's happiness in bankruptcy. He agreed to help Israel fight the Amorites with this vow to God. If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, 
Then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Judges 11.30-31 Jephthah went to battle, and God gave him victory, and upon returning home, his only precious daughter ran out of the house to meet him, and it came to pass, when he saw her, that he rent his clothes, and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Judges 11.35 A million earthquakes could shake no more, nor damage any less than a man's plans and happiness. As the waves of reality crash upon the walls of his mind, it thundered clearly a summons to honor or summons to dishonor. It was a summons to pay or a summons to forfeit. Words or deeds will tip the scales one way or the other during the next fleeting moments. He rents his clothes well knowing that the Lord is a God of knowledge and nothing is hidden from him and by him actions are weighed. Realizing he contracted with God alone, he must not go back. Little did Jephthah know it, but this very moment he was placing his name on God's honor roll to be revealed to men 1270 years later. This day, his stock soared higher than ever before. He had uttered words angels could do, but few men try. The die was cast, and Jephthah became the judge of Israel. Tragedy had come. He looked for no excuse, he made no excuse, and he did not ask to be excused. Oh, that men would esteem their words as high as the Lord esteems his. If we be the children of the Most High God, let us respect our word as he respects his. If your word is no good, your claim on life hereafter is no good. By your words you will be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. How many will stand by the side of this man, justified on reckoning day, who have turned back for one filthy habit, for one filthy desire, for one filthy temper, for one filthy pride, for one filthy thrill, or for one filthy promise. Anyone and everyone can serve the Lord when everything is in his favor. But, oh, that reckoning day of catastrophe! Why is there no hiding place or waiting place from the storm? Storms of life can make a man, catastrophes can make him even greater. There are storms of our own making and storms not of our making. They will make you or break you, for then and only then can God tell of what metal, if any, you are made. This mighty man of valor, of principles, of ethics, of courage, and of determination gave his all. Angels could give no more. Let us look closely at this man's sacrifice in comparison to ours. 
First, he tore his own heart and nerves out by the roots. Second, he sacrificed the only thing that he ever loved him. Third, he sacrificed the only thing in this world he ever loved. It was his all. If God demands the same from us, it must mean all our soul, mind, and strength. Anything less is unacceptable. As a child, he never knew of anything or anyone loving him, nor did he know the love for anything or anyone. But for the first time in his life, he had the feeling of being loved by this precious daughter who would hug him his neck, and kiss him when he went out and came in. For the first time, sunlight shone across his dark life, and for once he knew what happiness and life was. She alone had set him free from the tomb of loneliness and sadness. Here, in his arms, for the last time, running her fingers nimbly through his hair, chattering away words of affection, were all his hopes his love, and his world. This day, his world fell apart. Castles tumbled, heaven shook. It was the end of his world. It did not have to be, Jephthah. You could go back on God and avoid all this, and your little world would orbit as before. But not so. For this mighty man loved God, lived for God, and kept his word. When I think of saints today, and with ministers as well, whose word to one another is worth no more than a child's play money, I fear their chances are very slim of meeting Jephthah in peace, for he shall rise up and condemn them. How and with what shall we avoid the scales of justice of a God who changes not and in whom there is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. Shall he weigh our faithfulness by the same balances of Jephthah, or shall he weigh us by a heavier weight since we have had the printed word, Sunday schools, youth programs, and sermons and prayers? His sacrifice was greater than he could bear, but it was not greater than his word. If he could have slayed his daughter and spared her from his life of loneliness, it would have been far better in living with his remorse. Instead of the happiness of a normal youth in life, she was exiled and banned to a worse fate than death. God imputed righteousness to Jephthah and accepted his sacrifice as though it were blood. This was not a sin offering but a love offering. God would not have accepted a human sacrifice, for he could not. But this is as in the case of Abraham's offering Isaac. God saw the father's faith and accepted the sacrifice. No doubt Jephthah took this daughter to a place of worship and left her as his sacrifice and returned home never to smile again. He did not offer her blood to God, for only the priests could do that, and they would not. Neither would the Lord give honor to anyone who did. God honored Jephthah 
And the honor given his daughter is still honored by the nation of Israel unto this day for her spirit of obedience and encouragement. She lightened the load of the remorse of her father by saying unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to what which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. Judges 11.36 I find very few Christians who have the spirit of his daughter, and fewer still who have the spirit of Jephthah. Do you encourage the work of the Lord to go forward at any cost, even the cost of yourself, or do you dig in and discourage others and attempt to make the kingdom of God to fit your plans. Have you opened your mouth to God and will not go back no matter what the cost? Or does your light of encouragement make no more light to the kingdom of God than a smoky lantern on a stormy night? There is something coming, a reckoning day, and you will not be excused by intentions. This man's motives alone shall condemn generations, for he stands today as a monument of encouragement to those who will live for God and a warning to those who treat their vows lightly. End of chapter 7 Thank you for listening to this episode of On Top of the Mount. I hope you've enjoyed this audiobook series. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts, please email me at draywaddles at gmail.com or you can add me on social media through Facebook and Instagram, d underscore raywaddles. And until next time, you'll be hearing from me on Top of the Mount.